Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. This is episode 137, and this morning we're in John chapter 11. We're looking at Jesus and Lazarus. We're actually going to be looking at some leaders that give us a counter idea of pastoral ministry, a group of people that were more concerned about their position and their power, and we're going to see the contrast of that with Jesus, who's following the will of his Father, even though it may be a little bit, may seem a little bit strange. So John chapter 11. Let's go ahead and pray, and then, hey, the intensive is tomorrow, so you're going to hear about that next week. But uh, let's go ahead and pray. I'll tell you final things about the intensive, and then we'll get into John chapter 11. Father, we just thank you for this time. It's always a privilege to be able to speak to these guys. I thank so much for everybody that's listening. I pray this would be an encouragement to them. And Lord, help us to be able to weep when we need to weep and speak when we need to speak, just like Jesus does in John 11. I thank you for these pastoral pictures that we've been getting. They're so just awesome. And I pray you'd help us to be like Christ. Give us wisdom. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done for us. Help me as I speak just for these next few minutes. I trust that you will. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, tomorrow we take off for the intensive. The final count, I think, is 26 guys that will be going down with us. We had about 30, and then a few guys uh, dropped off. But I think there may be a couple guys that are going to they're going to be coming last minute. So we'll see. Hopefully we'll end up having around 30. That was kind of my goal. But uh, it's just going to be a great time. We're heading down, and then we won't be on the river until Wednesday and Thursday. But Tuesday is supposed to be beautiful weather, so we're going to get down there and be able to set up camp, and it's it's going to be a really great time. Lane, I've seen his outlines of his talks. He sent me his outlines the other day, and they're going to be really great on God and government. So be praying for us. Uh, if you can come, last minute, call me, message me. We would love to have you. And then if you can't, I'll give you an update next week on how everything went. You'll hear all about that. This Thursday, there will be a show. I have another interview with Brian Silvey that's going to be going up. And so my buddy Brian has been so gracious to jump on the show again, and we'll have him on talking about building institutions and building the kingdom of God uh, as we see things going crazy in our world around us. We are committed to building. That's what we do. That's what Christians do. And so be looking for that on Thursday. All right. Today, John chapter 11. Now, there are two resources. I've not listened to many Piper sermons over the years. I used to listen to a guy named Neil McClendon, who I've had on the show actually before. had Neil McClendon on, and then I also had... Uh, who else have I had on? Um, I've also had on, no, it was uh, McClendon. Sorry, I'm doing two things at once here, folks, where I'm trying to uh, up the recording volume of my audio as I'm talking. But I used to listen to Neil McClendon all the time when I first got into listening to sermons, and it was Driscoll, and then it was uh, uh, Chandler, all three of those guys. Those were my big listens who I listened to. But then uh, I listened to probably, and I don't know, this is a long time ago now, but D.A. Carson has got a really good uh, lecture or talk on John chapter 11. It's phenomenal. I would highly recommend that. And also, Piper, I've listened to probably 15 or 20 Piper sermons total over the years, and this is one of them. And it was over John chapter 11, and Jesus loving Lazarus and the family. And oh my, it was incredible. I would encourage you to both get those resources. Just go find them down, track them down. You should be able to track them down. But there's some really interesting pastoral pieces here that I want us to look at. Uh, Interesting pieces about Jesus following the will of his Father, even though it would seem to run counter to how we think. Um, And you'll see that here in a second. And then, like I said in the opening, 
statement we're going to look at uh, a group of people that, I mean, the Pharisees, they were more concerned about their place and their nation than, than people believing and following Jesus, which is a real, real problem. So let's go ahead and look at the, the beginning stages of John 11. It's fascinating. When Jesus heard, he said it, okay, excuse me, Mary and Martha sent the word out to Jesus, and in verse 3, so the sisters said, sent to him, saying, Lord, he, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Now, this is the interesting point in verse 6. After the statement, Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. He heard that Lazarus was ill, and, and typically you think, okay, love, need, Jesus is going to come right away. So love, need, Jesus comes. That's not what happens. Jesus stays longer where he was in a very intentional manner because this was the will of his heavenly father. He only did what he saw his father doing. Now, Jesus also said this is an illness that does not lead to death. And he speaks to what he will finally do because here in a second, he, he's going to tell them that he's not asleep, that he's dead. So Jesus knows what he's going to be doing. But he stayed longer. He delayed his presence. He let them sit in their grief for two days longer. He knew Lazarus was going to die. He knew that Mary and Martha and the grieving Jews around the grave would be there grieving. But he didn't alleviate that grief immediately because that was not his priority. His priority was, was not immediately relieve people grief. It was doing the will of his father. So then he, he shows up. He talks to his disciples. You know, Thomas has his valiant moment of saying that let us go ahead, that we may die with Jesus because, you know, they're afraid of what would happen if Jesus would go up to Jerusalem or in the surrounding region. But then Jesus shows up on the scene. Lazarus has been in the tomb for four days. And Jesus shows us some counseling that is very, very helpful. He shows us that he can grieve and weep with those who need uh, different kinds of grief. He can speak, excuse me, he can speak and he can weep to those who are grieving in different ways. So when Martha heard, this is verse 20, that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, and Mary remained at the house. So you see the reaction then to Jesus coming between Mary and Martha is different. Mary stays, Martha goes. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know you're at, you, that whatever you ask from God, God will do it. Jesus said to her, your younger brother, your brother, will rise again. Martha said to him, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. Now, listen to this. I've heard it said so many times, and there is a time and place for this. Certainly, weep with those who weep, right? Romans 12. We're to agree, you know, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And there is a time and a place for those who are grieving for you, pastor, to sit there and just listen and pray and just be present. And your presence is the best counseling. It's the best care you can give without even a word being said. There is a time and place for that because there's a time and place for meeting people where they're at. And that is what they need is simply to sit there and weep and they need you to be there with them. But there's another kind of person, this kind of person, Martha. The kind of Martha is, is the one who needs to hear truth. Jesus does not weep with Martha. He speaks to Martha. He tells her the truth. There are grieving situations and their personality types. 
And you've got to lean into the leading of the Holy Spirit in these moments where weeping would be the wrong thing to do. You actually need to speak and remind them of truth. And no matter what the, no matter what the cost here, Jesus is speaking the truth. And it could have been hurtful to Martha. No, he even actually brings correction. In her grief, brings correction to what she says and more clarity, I should say, to what she's saying. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection in life. Because she's saying, I know there's going to be resurrection in the last day. And no, no, no. Jesus is saying, no, no, no. I am the resurrection in life right now. He he knows what he's going to do. And so he speaks to Martha because that's what Martha needs. He loves Martha. And so he meets her where she's at. Now, the comforts of Christ are not one size fits all because Mary shows up on the scenes. Scene. Because we see this in verse 28. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and calling for you. Mary doesn't want to go out to Jesus. She's there, and she comes with a completely different attitude than Martha. So she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, was still in the place that Martha had met him. But when the Jews were out with her in the house, uh, uh, consoling her, he met him, had met him. When the Jews who were with her, in the house, consoling her, saw Mary, rose quickly, and go out. They followed her, supposing that she... I completely messed that up in the reading. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews, who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary, rise quickly, and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and sang to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, that's Mary's attitude to Jesus. That's her posture. She finally comes out, talks to Jesus, and the first thing is an an accusation. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. My brother's dead. It's because you're late. It's because you weren't here. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Now, Jesus does not speak to Mary he doesn't bring corrective word. He doesn't get into a the- theological conversation with Mary. He did with Martha, but he weeps with Martha. He weeps. Powerful. The, the longer you think about this, it's, it's very difficult. When you think about the hypostatic union, when you think about the natures of Christ, fully God, fully man, when you think about even doctrines like impassibility and the passions of God are different than the passions of men, but you see Jesus also being deeply moved in his spirit and weeping this is a theological knot that you can miss the beauty just because you're thinking about all this stuff and you're missing that he's simply that he is comforting Mary. I mean, he is literally weeping with those who weep. Jesus was not above Romans chapter 12. Jesus wept with those who wept. Here he is doing that right here. And this is a pastoral lesson again for us to be able to weep in the room when weeping is required. Not to be in this empathetic, you stay there forever, weeping, grieving, you know, let's not fall into that empathy error that Joe Rigney and Doug Wilson talk about, where you just stay there weeping forever. Jesus does something here. He does something to alleviate the grief. But we see that he does grieve with them. Now, he goes on to heal Lazarus. We know the story. Lazarus comes out. He has to be unbound by the linen straps and, and taking the, the linen straps have to come off and around the face. And Jesus commands those to unbind him and let him go. And then many of the Jews that had come believed in him. They were there believing in Jesus because they saw this miracle. And then the chief priests and the Pharisees got together. 
the work of Christ happens, and then the Pharisees and the, and the priests do what the Pharisees and the priests do. They get together a council and think, well, what do we got to do about this? He's performing signs. If we let things keep going on like this, everyone's going to believe in him. The Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. And this is the key. The Pharisees were obsessed with their history and their place. Okay? This is the wrong kind of patriotism. Patriotism. You know, this is the, the, the kind of patriotism hit pieces that need to go on where they, they place their nation and their place or their position and their power above Jesus and his reign and rule and people actually believing in him. The funny thing is, in our country today, if you want people in our nation to believe in him, uh, TG, TGC, uh, ERLC, they write a hit piece that you're the Christian nationalist. And they're actually the ones displaying, they're not Pharisees because they're Christians, but they're the ones displaying the Pharisaical attitude. They're scared to death of losing their place and their nation, their power. Okay, the, the actual Christian nationalists are the ones that actually want the kingdom of God to move forward. And they're praying, not all of them, I, I realize that there's some, there are some Christian nationalists that are doing what the Pharisees and the scribes or the priests are doing here. But uh, this is the wrong kind of patriotism. There's a good kind of patriotism. Don't tread on me patriotism that loves God and country. That's good. That's really good. Sign me up for that. Give me the AR. Let's fight for our country. That's what I'm talking about. We want the kingdom of God. We love the history of our, our nation because it was primarily about the glory of God. It was about his word. It was about right, right forms of government that had good parameters around them. And then they made some big mistakes as well along the way. But it was primarily a lot of awesome things that the Founding Fathers got right and that our nation got right and a few things along the way that they got wrong. It wasn't the other way around. Okay, that's important to note. But the Pharisees and the priests had their power, their position, their nation above the work of God, above what Jesus was doing. And that was wrong. And pastor, that's what we can fall into. We can fall into wanting power and being being nervous when we see power slipping through our hands rather than being people who give power away, rather than people that empower other people, rather than being leaders that empower other people to lead and to serve. We want to accumulate power, and we want to get powerful people around us so we can control them. And that is the opposite of what Christ would have us do. And so we see these pictures pictures of Jesus grieving well. We see these pictures that we don't want to be like in John chapter 11. I want to encourage you to go find that sermon from Piper and go find that lecture from D.A. Carson. There's a lot of really great things out of John chapter 11. Guys, I hope you have a great week this week. Please, again, subscribe, uh, share, leave a rating and a review. Thanks so much for watching if you're on Gab TV. And we'll be back next week. Be, look, be on the lookout for that Brian Sauvé interview conversation that's coming out on Thursday.